Welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Trapeski. I'm an executive coach and consultant and leadership development expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you take control of your time and energy and improve your bottom line while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast where business owners learn to get out of the success trap, take back their time, and grow their profits. This is episode 52, and we are kicking off season four. I am beyond excited and proud to be back to share more wonderful content, inspiring interviews, and more frequent solo episodes where I'm sharing wisdom, truth, and leadership tips for you, the business owner. One thing that's become really clear to me over the years is that a lot of my clients who are private medical practice owners don't think of themselves as entrepreneurs or as leaders. I see this in other business owners as well. They simply see themselves, in the case of my clients, as healthcare providers who work for themselves. The problem with this perspective is that they're missing a lot of opportunities to amplify their expertise, serve more people, and use their time and energy more effectively, ultimately supporting them in their quest for exquisite fulfillment. I am of the mindset that if you're not having any fun, why the hell are you doing this? If there's very little satisfaction and tons of hustle, where is the fulfillment and what's the point of going out on your own? Now, not everyone will have a huge vision to change the world with their business, but the dream of entrepreneurship holds a lot of expectation for freedom of time and energy, limitless earning potential, and a whole lot of space to explore different revenue-generating opportunities. In season four, we're going to dive deep into the success trap, the farce that is time management for entrepreneurs, and you'll be hearing a lot more from me as I am committing to regular solo episodes, one per month to be precise. And to be even more precise, you can expect to hear solo episodes from me on the fourth Wednesday of each month. We're also going to be doing a few special guest features that will be informative for listeners in terms of concentrated guest features in particular industries and in terms of different ways to approach entrepreneurship. We're thrilled to be bringing a season to you, a new season to you, and cannot wait to hear what you think. Make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss an episode and please do share your review so more entrepreneurs can find this valuable information and support. Oh, I am humbled and proud to be speaking with Boma Renee Boma of White African Music and solo entrepreneur and disability rights activist, particularly for persons living with albinism in Cameroon and across the African continent. Boma shares his journey as a person living with albinism, how he was drawn to educate through music, and how he became a consultant to the UN on albinism in Africa to unite and fight for people with albinism and its associated disabilities. 
You won't want to miss when he shares how you can support people with albinism in Cameroon and throughout Africa by simply supporting sunscreen distribution. There are links in the show notes where you can go to learn more and to support their efforts. So make sure you come back to the show notes so you can click through to support them. I I just adore Boma and I'm always inspired whenever we talk. This conversation really touched my heart and soul, and I am certain it will touch yours too. Boma is full of love energy and it radiates from him as he speaks. Some of the statistics he shares about people living with albinism are shocking, like this one. 80% of people with albinism die before the age of 40 due to skin cancer. Now, this is in Africa. Hey, listen again. 80% of people with albinism die before the age of 40 due to skin cancer, something that's, in my mind, so easily prevented. Also, something many of us take for granted in the Western world is accommodations for persons with disabilities. In Cameroon and much of Africa, they are still fighting to accommodate people with living with disabilities in an education setting. BOMA and White African Music are raising funds and raising awareness through music to sensitize teachers, provide sunglasses and corrective lenses to children in need, and to provide sunscreen to persons living with albinism. Sunscreen is very difficult to find and is prohibitively expensive for most people in Cameroon and across the African continent. Boma and his team host an annual distribution of free sunscreen in their No Sunburn, No Cancer initiative. I'm going to say it again. Please see the links in the show notes to support this important initiative. They will be distributing free sunscreen on June 11th this year. This is 2022 at recording, June 11th. So there's still time to support their efforts. There's so much to love about this interview, and I sincerely hope you feel led to support BOMA's initiatives, either by making a donation to their foundation or by sharing far and wide. Anything you do to support this initiative will be appreciated and will make a difference. So I invite you now to grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to BOMA and his amazing journey. BOMA, it is so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. And I'm so excited to be your guest today. Me too. And, you know, we can go ahead and tell our listeners we've tried. This is our second attempt. <laughs> we had some connectivity issues the first time, and it's taken us a while to to be able to get back on calendar. So I, I feel like I've been waiting with, you know, a lot of anticipation and excitement to have you back. So I'm thrilled that we were able to make it work. Yeah, a lot of yeah. problems. So we were around finally. Yeah. While we were warming up, we were talking about how we love our technology until it doesn't love us back. But anyway, <laughs> well, I would love to, before we dive in, because there's so much to talk about and to learn from you and your journey and, and what you're up to. I like to start by letting our listeners know where our guest is. So where are you in the world? Uh, Buma is uh, currently in Yaoundé, the capital of Cameroon, found in Africa. Awesome. Long way. We're like, I love, this is where we love our technology, right? That we can connect this way. And it's just like, we've known each other for a long time. And, and uh, I just love it. I'm so glad that we're connected. Well, you, you were catching me up while we were warming up um, and you have had a busy year or two. And there's so many things that you do. And I know we're going to you know, try to keep the focus of our conversation to one particular area. But before we start, I think it would be really helpful to share with our listeners all the things that you're up to. 
I am up to a lot as an entrepreneur. I am a musician and uh, I do record, I do produce songs. I'm a writer and a producer of music. So I do produce a lot of songs. Uh, my personal songs or albums uh, talk known as white African music to uh, fight against discrimination of persons with disabilism with uh, disabilities and more precisely persons with albinism as a kind of raising awareness and i am also an advocate i advocate for the rights of uh, persons with disabilities and uh, i mean it takes a lot of my time but i could still find time to to be an administrator and more precisely an administrator of a music department or music school so a music director music writer and advocate for persons with disabilities, a human rights activist. So that's that's just keeps you just a little bit busy. Then I'm I'm not sure how you do all of it, but I'm so thrilled to hear about some of the things that have come through for you uh, that you've been working on, and for for people who you're advocating for. Um, specifically, you told me that you were very involved in getting a law passed to protect children in uh, primary schools with disabilities. Tell us a little bit about that, like the journey of that. And so I think for a lot of us in the Western world, we might take that for granted because we've got large advocacy groups and, and, you know, for example, my kids are in public schools and if a child has a disability or learning issues, you just go and talk to the school and then they start putting things, you know, in place because we have laws and it's not always super effective, but it's, it's kind of a given that the support is there, but I don't think that that's necessarily the case, at least in Cameroon. So I would love to hear, like, just share with us what everything you needed to do and the kind of effort that it took and what the outcome has been from that. Okay. Uh, so um, a consultant to the United Nations as African Albinism Ambassador, uh, we've done a lot to protect the rights of children with disabilities. And uh, this is because most of Cameroon or Africa in general is not that adapted. Like maybe the structures in building, the structures, they don't adapt the structures. The laws are not adapted to protect persons living with disabilities or the policies are not adapted to favor or to uh, aid persons living with disabilities. So um, we've gone a long way and the advocacy from a negotiation with the public representatives of the public service to right from a sensitization of the public to the presentation of uh, some sort of examples of persons living with disabilities. That's to kill the stigma on persons living with disabilities. We've had negotiations with the government to sign laws to meet up with, uh, to provide some sort of uh, uh, accommodation for persons living with uh, disabilities in primary school. I think about uh, three months ago, we had uh, we succeeded in getting a law signed by uh, the Minister of uh, Primary Education that permitted reasonable accommodation for persons living with uh, albinism more precisely. And uh, we also have advocated a lot for the law for Cameroon to ratify the law on disability the Convention on Persons Living with Disabilities that was signed by the UN. And I think we succeeded together with other uh, civil society organizations fighting for persons with uh, disabilities. We succeeded in getting the government of Cameroon to ratify that. So now we are trying to fight 
for uh, or we are advocating for the government because they've signed the president has ratified, but it the, the, the United Nations hasn't been notified. So we're working on that right now. So we, we're hoping to get that done and so we can advocate for those who are in charge with the, the pursuing or of, of this law or the execution of those laws to actually put in place those laws or to actually act in accordance with the laws to protect persons with uh, disabilities or more specifically persons that with uh, albinism in, in Cameroon and Africa as a whole. And we also, we were planning currently for the disability, the World Disability uh, Conference that's taking place next week. So we have a couple of points to, we're preparing to uh, present together with other civil society organizations in Cameroon, uh, all still in line with the protection of persons with disabilities, both for Cameroon to sign the laws and both the politics and the policies to be put in place. Amazing. You know, thank you for doing the work you do. I think there's a lot of vulnerable people who might not otherwise even know that it's possible to get protection, to have accommodations and, you know, to have an otherwise, I don't know if the right word is normal, but, you know, sort of normal-ish life and to be able to have access the way that people who do not have disabilities do. Um, and I think that that's a really important piece of the work that you do. And as you mentioned, you focus a lot on albinism in Cameroon. So can you tell us about white African music and how you're, you tie that into your advocacy for people with living with albinism? Yeah, white African music, uh, as we, we, we pronounce white African music, uh, <laughs> it's a story of uh, uh, two brothers uh, with albinism who, who grew up uh, going through a lot of uh, difficulties because they were different and there was no reasonable accommodation. And uh, until uh, they got in contact with music and music had to change the perception people had about them and music gave them the courage to be able to face the, the, the difficulties both for themselves and for other people who, who are facing difficulties by using music to raise awareness and by raising music to prove to other persons and the situation of uh, or with difficulties that it's possible no matter the, the, their uh, physical or psychological handicaps, even if there's no uh, reasonable accommodation. And we, we, we were able to touch a lot of people with this so much that... Uh, they were being taken uh, as consultants uh, to the United Nations uh, Action on Albinism as African Albinism Ambassador. So with the, 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 the huge group of people we were able to touch using our music as advocacy, uh, we turned into a network, a special force and a network because personally with albinism or persons in situation or organizations of persons with albinism will constantly contact us for maybe review, research, or connect them with others, organizing of uh, conferences, reuniting of people on the matter. So um, with time, we developed the capacity to be able to reunite and fight for persons with albinism, and also to report to the United Nations as African Albinism Ambassador, and in turn, uh, take the action plans and uh, do advocate and execute the action plans. Mm -hmm. So for those of us who maybe don't know a lot about albinism in Africa, so 
it's my understanding and you can you can fill us in here in the US anyway you know we might occasionally see a person with albinism and i think the extent of our thinking currently this may have been different you know in years past is oh there's a person with albinism and that's kind of it and they likely have hopefully what they need and all of that but in in on the african continent it's very different so tell us why it's important not just to you, but for people living with albinism to do this advocacy? Okay, it's very important to do this advocacy for various reasons. I think, firstly, the African educational system uh, has to understand the difficulties personally with albinism have in Africa. Firstly, just the fact, the psychological fact that you grew up in a society where uh, the African culture most of the cultures have a negative uh, misinformation or negative uh, interpretation on persons with albinism. They have the, the, they, they got this ghostly interpretation like they're not humans, uh, uh, they're from an evil source, they don't marry to live, they, which are linked to their traditional beliefs. Uh, secondly, persons with albinism, as we know, uh, they have a physical impairments such as visual impairments and uh, they can easily be co- contract a, a cancer, skin cancer, because most of them die of skin cancer here in Africa because uh, the, the sunlight, the rays, the degree of the sunlight here, I don't think constantly uh, is not the same with that of the U.S. And it's very harsh. So they have this tendency when being exposed to the sunlight of dying of skin cancer. And research has shown 80% die before the age of 40 due to skin cancer. They also have visual impairments, visual impairments of which um, the Cameroon educational system hasn't been able to provide reasonable accommodation like a blackboard with which you can see even with visual impairment or some, uh, or some other means to, uh, uh, to meet up with that. So uh, most kids in school, they hardly able to meet up with uh, what's happening because they don't have the capacity to see the bot. And so we also have to do sensitize more the teachers so they know these students have to sit in front. We also have to sensitize so the government gives opportunity for those who, who have serious visual impairment to have access to sunglasses or to uh, uh, lenses, correction lenses. They can also have access to sunscreen to protect them from dying of skin cancer, or they should also have protection from people who believe their body parts could also be used to enrich for portions to enrich themselves, as the popular disease says here. Also, we also have to come to, to do advocacy so the women with albinism are not being raped because there's a pop, popular belief that uh, when you have sex with someone living with albinism, you have luck or you might cure yourself of HIV. So uh, for these various reasons, we have to do campaign both to the public service, the masses, and the decision makers so uh, this group of people can be protected. Mm. Wow. I mean, that's, it's hard to, it's hard to listen to that, right? It's hard to take it in and, and conceptualize that. And I think it's really important for people to know that, right? It's, it's just a matter of education. I'm sure not just, um, but it's definitely a matter of, of educating and advocating and 
you know, if people have never been exposed to any other way of viewing other humans who might look different than them and may, you know, be appear different from them, that we're all still humans. You know, this idea that, you know, that a, raping a woman with albinism can cure them or get, bring good luck or something sounds, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of layers to that, but it sounds like, you know, if people knew better, they would do better. And um, I think the work that you're doing is raising awareness globally, right? So that there can be more discussions around that. And people who are, you know, happily living in their bubbles in other countries can start to think about that, but also locally for people to learn that, you know, when you, Boma, walk out on the street, you're, in, you're possibly in danger. You know, that's that to me is really, you know, I think at the core of needing to, to continue advocacy. And, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show is to share your story and to bring you remarkable human being onto the show and also to raise awareness because until you and I met, I had no idea. I had no idea that this was, you know, still a belief system or that it ever even was a belief system that continues. So this is um, for our listeners. This is to me, like my you can hear, I'm not speaking very well. It's a very, very humbling moment. Um, so thank you again. Thank you for the work you're doing. I think, you know, every human being deserves an opportunity to have access. Um, something so simple as visual impairment. I mean, surely there are children who are not living with albinism who also have visual impairment. And that to me seems like a given that the teachers should notice, should have the sensitivity to notice and, support these kids and coming, being able to come to the front of the room or even speaking with their parents and saying, Hey, I think your child is visually impaired or has some, some issues with being able to see this is what we've done. Um, so yeah, there's probably a lot of work to be done, but I would imagine that you've already started to create that shift by doing the work that you do. Yeah. We've, we've gone a long way. You can imagine going around the streets knowing uh, people visualize you like maybe a finger of person with albinism costs about $5,000 to be used mm-hmm. in some witchcraft practices. I mean, it's quite unsafe or quite traumatizing having that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Another thing that really stood out to me is, you know, sunscreen. It's something that also I think we take for granted in probably everywhere except Africa that it's like, well, yeah. If you're going to be in the sun, you need sunscreen. And yet access is very difficult and it's very expensive, right? And so you've created a campaign where you've gotten some support to provide sunscreen to people living with albinism. To talk about that a little bit. Now, for the past uh, two years, each 13 June, or this year we'll be doing on the 11th of June, we do distribute free sunscreen because the economy of Africa makes it in such a way that most people, for them to be able to survive, they can't survive without getting into the sunlight. So you can imagine if you're allergic to the sunlight uh, in such a way that if you spend hours under the sunlight, you you die of skin cancer, but you you don't have any other means to survive without getting into the sunlight. So we provided, or we do provide, uh, each year we have a campaign, no sunburn, no cancer, we do raise funds each year, every year, and provide sunscreen to associations of persons with albinism so they can protect themselves. And uh, uh, we have less deaths 
of skin cancer time goes on as we sensitize and we with time we having more people uh, understanding and being able to support because it's it's less expensive in Europe and, and the US than here so with more get in contact or get in touch more we'll be sharing the link with persons uh, in these places in the US in the Europe so they can get because they have easier access so we can in turn distribute to these associations of persons with albinism in order to reduce the rate of uh, skin cancer. Nice. Well, we'll make sure that we share all of that information in the show notes um, with clickable links to make it easy for our listeners to contribute if they feel moved to do so. Thank you for that. Ah, oh, gosh. So you, I mean, this is this is really your life's work, right? I mean, you do a lot of things as an entrepreneur, as many people do and many entrepreneurs do. But one thing that really strikes me, Boma, is that everything that you do is seems to me to be mission-driven. I've not yet, we're, I think, almost halfway through our time together. I've not once heard you talk about money, which I think is interesting. And it's a common thread with our other guests. Um, it's not that nobody thinks money is important, but everyone that I've had on the show has said in one way or another that if we're focused on the money, we're focused on the wrong thing. That when we go into entrepreneurship and advocacy and and you know, make no mistake to our listeners, being involved in advocacy and starting nonprofits or being a part of a nonprofit is no less entrepreneurial than having a business, right? You're still starting everything up and you have to bootstrap and all of that. So just coming back to the point I was making is that you are very mission and vision driven. And as we were talking about in the warm-up, everything you do comes back to your advocacy. So, you know, I'm smiling because I've listened to some of your music and I know that that's something that's really brought you peace and joy and hope and confidence. And I know that you're also doing the same by providing access to children who may not have access to music instruments or, or musical instruction and things like that. So can you tell us a little bit about the music school and your, how you've been advocating in that way as well? And we'll come back to money. Yeah. The music school uh, due to the fact that we discovered, as a musician, we discovered uh, music education is one of the things that's very dear to us. And actually, the Cameroon government has put music in the curriculum, both in primary schools and the secondary schools. But the, 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 the schools don't have the capacity or the teachers don't have the training necessary to uh, teach these children music theory and practicals because uh, they are generalists and uh, the government doesn't have the capacity. So we created a music laboratory wherein we train children. We give every child opportunity because we never know. We give every child opportunity to learn keyboard, the piano, the drum, uh, the bass guitar, the acoustic guitar. And we do organize events for these children to be able to uh, express their talents so people can have and also be able to help those children. So uh, I think we, we provide the milieu, the music laboratory, and also uh, the curriculum and the follow-up for those children to learn how to play and to have access to instruments. Wonderful. You know, music, you know that I, we're a musical family here, so of course I'm very biased, but on a, on a 
scientific and developmental level, music and language and math sort of traveled the same brain pathways. And so having exposure to music and being able to participate in and be exposed to music education is so important for children's development. And, you know, and then we can say how important the arts are, right? But if we're talking about primary school age, you know, that, that their brains are still developing. They're still growing. There's so much that can broaden their worldview that can help children with like logic and math. If they're struggling, they can use, you know, how they've learned music to support that. And I don't know, we, we have a lot of like really music theory geek out sessions at our house. Not me. I'm not a music theory person, but my kids are. And to listen to them talk about music theory and watch them go into a logical space while they're still kind of here being artists and get, you know, I mean, it's a great way to, to develop the mind. And I think that offering that opportunity to kids is huge. And, you know, there are always gaps. This is something that's also really a common thread with our guests on the show is you see these gaps and you're finding ways to fill them. And I think that it's just, you know, amazing and wonderful. And I would imagine that every child whose life that you've touched and you've been able to support them in some way is just whether they know it now or not will be super grateful and that their life will be enriched by having this opportunity and just being around you because you're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. And it's amazing to see these kids, the, the light in their eyes when they are able to play or to discuss the music theory, as you earlier said. So we will also be sharing some videos of these kids performing. Nice. I can't wait. So tell me a little bit about, I know we talked about it briefly, but in order to supply children and teachers with what they need, you have partnered with enterprises and with different organizations in order to bring instruments. And how do you find teachers to help these, to teach these kids music? Is it, are you providing training for teachers or are there people who have musical backgrounds who come in and and teach the kids? How does that work? Well, uh, we started by employing people who have musical backgrounds, both uh, theory and practical to teach the kids. But as time goes on, because we've been on it for for a while now, so we are training the kids in turn for the elder kids to be able to teach the, the very young ones while the professionals teach the elder kids. The elder kids do train the very the, the younger ones. So in a few years, while the professional musicians will be leaving or will be somehow retiring, those who are in the school in the music department will be able to have a job, their first jobs as musicians, uh, in turn training the others. And we also, for the practicals, we do do to in the, in the laboratory and the fine time to go, we collaborate with um, famous African music bands such as the Makas Band. So they can go once in a while and play with the professionals so it helps strengthen them too as uh, per the practical. Mm. I love, oh my gosh. So there's so much that you do when you teach, when you let the older kids teach the younger kids, right? One is we we will definitely know that we've learned something when we can teach it. So that reinforces their learning. The leadership skills that the older kids are getting 
and sharing, you know, by sharing with the younger kids and teaching them. I mean, that is incredible. And they know how to teach and they know how to lead and they know how to perform. I mean, they're prepared to, to be employed or to start a business or to, you know, whatever it might be like, this is also life skills and all of this through music, something that, you know, often in the education system is pushed aside as something that's not as important to say, you know, math and language arts or something, you know? So this is to me, like my mind is just racing right now about how awesome this is and how these children are so fortunate to be where they are now in the place where you're providing this and advocating for them to have access. It's really cool. Yes. I think that that's the first uh, music, complete music laboratory, secondary school music laboratory in Cameroon. So the, the system has actually, or the government has actually included or recognized the importance, but Cameroon had not yet reached the stage where an entrepreneur or a group of entrepreneurs, someone is going to mount a music laboratory and do a proper follow-up of the music education. So even when the members of the government or whenever the authorities visit, they are very, 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 very happy and they are very, Mm -hmm. very so much excited about what's going on there or what the kids can present. Oh, that's very cool. And I can't wait to watch the video of the kids performing because that's just, I love children be shining their light through whatever it is, but especially through music, I think is just so, so wonderful to our listeners. Make sure you click on all the links and check everything out because there's a lot, there's a lot to see and there's a lot of joy here. And, and I think, you know, tying it back to all of the different forms of advocacy, again, you're leading with passion and you have this whole skill set of you have a knack for seeing where there's an opening and it's very clear that you've figured out how to, for lack of a better phrasing, um, work a system, right? So you figured out how to either work the system or bypass it, right? In order to, to make things happen. Is this something that you had in you or do you have training that helped you figure this out? Or is it just you were really determined and so you found the path forward? Well, as I have it in me, I'm very determined and I'm very humble and willing to learn all through the journey. So uh, I'm, I'm very focused and I learned a lot. I think it did help me a lot. I think advice from the right people too. Yeah, and uh, I think it did help a lot too. I listen a lot. Listen, I do listen a lot. I love that. I think this is this is something that we all need to remember too, is that I think a lot of this Protestant work ethic that permeates a good portion of the world is like, you know, work hard, slog, the harder you work, the more you'll be rewarded. And, and a little bit of like pioneering thinking of like every man or woman for themselves. Like it really isn't that way. I don't think that there's, it's, I can't think of a single person who I've met who's successful in what they do, who did not have support along the way. And so I really want to highlight this to our listeners. You know, Boma said he's very determined and focused and humble and willing to learn, listening a lot and allowing people to support and help. And I think that we often get stuck in this mindset that we're supposed to know how to do it ourselves. But I promise you, if we already knew how to do everything, we would have reached the level of success that we desire. And most of us are still striving. So this 
to me is one of the biggest highlights in terms of mindset, what we've talked about today, right? That determination, the focus, but also the humility and the willingness to learn. We're never done learning. And there's always going to be someone who can help us learn either something different or something new or a slightly different way of doing things. So that's, to me, is a reminder to chill. If I don't know how to do something, there's probably someone in my life who does or someone in that someone in my circles might know that could introduce, you know, you seem to be very masterful at that, you know, connecting with people, sharing your message, asking. Yeah, I think that's that's primordial to me because talking of advocacy, actually, I had the fire in me, but somewhere along the line, I I I thought it was very necessary for me maybe to take some classes, some lessons, and maybe whatever certificate in advocacy, so I'll meet people in that field, might be of help. Same as music, I was not a real adept of of, um, music like uh, an instrumentalist. I was a music writer, but I wasn't an instrumentalist or an adept of uh, music theory. But once I saw the need, the society needed this, and it was very important the kids needed this, I had to take time off to have a little education in that so uh, I could uh, be a music administrator with at least an idea or a certain level of expertise in, uh, in the domain. So mm-hmm. I think it's very important to always learn once you find the problem for you to be able to solve the problem, you need to learn how the various tools or the various methods other people have used to solve the issue. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, your, your story is so remarkable. And I, one thing that you continually inspire me to remember that we're on, you know, we're on the journey. We're learning as we go. There's, yes, you can jump in with both feet and it's okay to pause and go learn something either before jumping in or while you're jumping in and allow space and time for the learning, but still taking steps and still working through, in your case, through, through advocacy and continuing to do that. But also understanding that you, you highlighted something else, or I want to highlight something else that you said, which is, you know, putting yourself in places and in situations where other people in that field or in that arena will also be. This is huge. Like I think we talk a lot about networking or we hear a lot about networking. And and when I hear the word networking, I immediately think like events where you have to run around the room and talk to people and pass your business card out to a bunch of people. But what networking really is, is especially if you want it to be effective for what you're doing is you know, putting yourself around the people who are in an area where you want to be or where you are and you want to know, you know, learn from them and share with them and maybe even collaborate, but also like recognizing that it's about establishing relationships and it's about connecting. It's not just about amassing a huge Rolodex of people, you know, and that you intuitively, I think instinctively knew that if you put yourself in a situation where you could learn about this thing that you wanted to do, you would also be around people who are in the field. It's brilliant. Thank you, Tracy. Well, I would love to share with people. I know you have a lot of things going on and we'll supply all the links to all the things and all the places, but tell us, can you give us a rundown of all the things you do? And if you have any events coming up, I know you've got something coming up in uh, June, but anything before then is this episode will air sometime before that. Yeah, uh, before June, we have uh, actually in April, 
uh, we have an arts and cultural show in, in April. As a general, we are trying to put together all associations of persons uh, living with albinism on one platform because uh, the government declared uh, June as the month uh, for reflection on the issue of our persons living with albinism in Cameroon. So on that day, we'll be releasing a single. And, uh, well, we'll be shooting a video to while waiting for for the for June to come. Meanwhile, it's the normal routine. There's the students coming in and out, so we're trying to get more instruments for that too. We're trying to get more instruments for the students. We're in the studio recording the album, and we're on advocacy 24-7. We're doing the promotion of No Tang Te. That's, uh, no Tang Te means uh, do not try local palace or, or local way of talking. So, I mean, that's out now. We launched that, so we're doing promotion on that. I think we'll be sharing that link too. Apart from that is Advocacy 247 as the music department with the students. We're preparing the students for a lot of shows. We just finished or we just did one yesterday. and We'll be sharing the link. And, uh, I mean, we also have lots of partnerships with a lot of people we are currently working on, associations and uh, enterprises that's for... Uh, the distribution of sunscreen. So we're trying to get a lot of that in. Uh, it takes a lot of uh, some time for for that to reach Cameroon. So that's why we are talking of distribution in June so we can have enough time to uh, maybe have the sunscreens and transport to Cameroon or be able to purchase from Cameroon and get it transported down here. Wonderful. Like I said, we'll share all of these links in the show notes so that our listeners, if you feel moved to support in any way that you can easily find all of these places. Thank you, Boma, for sharing that with us. One last question before we wrap up, which is just if you have any parting thoughts, any tips, anything that if you could tell people, you know, three things about being an entrepreneur, about following your heart and and pursuing a passion, what would they be? Well, the first thing will be... uh... I think you have to be a carrier of, of, I don't know if I would say love or passion. You have to be driven primarily by love or passion. You have to have uh, the ability to recognize and follow your instinct. Uh, you have to have the ability to be resilient, to be uh, hardworking and be able to get through a lot for what you want or what you believe in. How many? I think I'm getting more than that. Was three? That <laughs> was like three and a half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is this is really wonderful. And again, I love you led with passion and love. And and you're right. It is. I think we all sometimes blush at saying love, but it is true. I mean, you you love yourself. You love your family, your community. You are full of love, and so it makes sense to lead with love and passion. And, um, I just, I really appreciate you, you're sharing all of that and for being on the show today. I know that, that you're busy. Clearly, I think everybody has gathered that. I don't know if you sleep or how much you sleep, um, (laughs) but it seems like you're, you're doing so many things and, you know, we really, I really appreciate you coming on and I'm sure that our listeners will be led to support in some way as well. And so I just thank you so much for coming, Boma. It's been wonderful. No, it's been a great time. I mean, on myself, on the behalf of myself, my group, White African Music and African Albinism Ambassadors, 
We're really happy to be part of uh, this, uh, to be around as uh, your, your guests. And personally, I really appreciate you. So, you know, it's, it's been a nice time after a while being with you and be able to do this together. Mm, thank you. Well, we'll have you back on the show if you'll have us and we'll we'll do an update and kind of a letting people know where you are, if, if that sounds good to you. Yeah, we we obviously need to 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 report back after these and the support we get from the people. We obviously need to do a report telling them what we've done and what's next. Absolutely, yes, good. Okay, I'm glad you said yes. It's it's a done deal. Check. <laughs> well, thank you again, Boma. It's been just wonderful having you on the show. I can't wait to have you back. Me too, Tracy. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to because I know you're having a huge, a huge, huge, huge number of people who do follow your podcast and who do believe in you. So I believe it's going to go a long way both for myself and for the people for whom I stand for and talk for. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. Be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. As you know, reviews are what help your fellow entrepreneurs find the right podcasts for them. So please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. If you are a medical practice owner and you're struggling with overwhelm from the daily business operations and decisions and trying to manage your time and all that juggling, schedule a talk with me by visiting my website at tracytrapesky.com forward slash medical hyphen practices. Link is in the show notes. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success.